because of what you just said, I, I just would like to throw this out there to people. It's not what you know that holds you back. It's what you don't know that holds you back. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Satori Masters Podcast, the ultimate resource for ambitious, hardworking school owners that want to get their business and their life to the next level. My name is Dave Kovar. I'm a lifetime martial artist, business owner, speaker, and author. My goal is to empower listeners with the knowledge and the tools they need to break through barriers and really get their business and their life to the next level. Thanks for watching and enjoy. Welcome to the Satori Masters Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar. With me is my friend, Mike Metzger. How are you, sir? I am great, Mr. Kovar. How are you? Uh, really good, really good. Just so that you guys that are listening, we actually did this, attempted this call about a, a month ago, but I forgot to push a, a record button on one of the cameras, so we're redoing it. And thank you for your patience and coming back again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. So a lot of people, most people in the martial arts world know you already, but if not, kind of give me a little bit of a history of, of kind of your martial arts background, how you got into uh, running a school, and then, of course, what you've done and where Maya is now. Kind of give us the evolution. Well, if, if people in the industry know me, they know I have a sarcastic sense of humor, which I was born with. So it got me in martial arts at an early <laughs> age, uh, uh, back in 1980. So were you that guy? Were you that guy when the bully would say something, you'd smirkly kind of slyly say something under your breath? And so you ended that, up, that was you? Well, I didn't say, well, no, I didn't say it under my breath. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I was the guy who made sure that he heard me. I could not stand bullies. And I was the most terrified kid uh, in school, but I could never help myself if I saw somebody <laughs> bullying somebody else, whether it was me or somebody else, somebody else more, more than me. And I would always make them look, you know, not intelligent. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, and, and the bullies, for some reason, Dave didn't appreciate it. Good for um, you that you did that. <laughs> so I've been in bathroom stalls in elementary school where they're waiting outside the stall and just punching me in the gut. I've had, uh, <laughs> I've been chased. Uh, so anyway, so I said to my mom, I, I, I think I need to learn karate. And started back in like 1983, maybe at Heidi Ochai's up in northeastern Pennsylvania in karate. And, uh, and, then, and then I just loved martial arts. So I moved around a lot. So I trained in karate, then I did Hapkido, and then I did Taekwondo, then I did Washin Ru, which people, or Washin Ru was the, uh, was the Hayochai, but then I did uh, um, uh, some, some uh, Toshi Khan, which okay. is a Korean style, a Japanese style, but based off of a little bit on the Taekwondo kicking side, then I did WTF Taekwondo, and then I did, because I moved around, I did Kempo in Utah with Tony Martinez Jr., and uh, I just love martial arts. So anytime we moved, I would find a school and I just wanted to train. So long story short, just did martial arts my entire life. That's what kept me sane living in seven different states. I went to three different seventh grades in three different states and three different eighth grades in three different states, believe it or not. And uh, the one thing that I felt that was with me was martial arts. And it, it was my safe place, so to speak. I just find a school and, and, and get in with a martial arts group and that's the story. And then I moved to Orlando, Florida in 1989. And when I was a senior and well, when I was a junior in high school, sophomore, junior, they asked me to be an assistant instructor. And then when I was a senior, they asked me if I'd run a school, a Jay Kim's karate school. They were based out of Baltimore. They were big on the East Coast in Florida. And uh, the, the rest is history. And then at, at, at 18, I started my own school. And uh, my first school was 989 square feet, everybody. 
I charge $4 a class, pay as you go with a $2 registration <laughs> fee. So I say that. So no matter where you are as a school owner, if you're listening to this, um, I haven't met anyone yet that started as low as me. So, you know, there, there is hope if you want to grow and be successful. And uh, what changed my life, I think you know, uh, is when my mother made me go to my first martial arts conference in the mid to late 90s, and it happened to be an educational funding company conference. That's the first time I met you um, and, and everybody else back then and was just so inspired by the success uh, and the quality of, of you all as martial artists, but also as business people. And that is what took me on a different trajectory in life. Really interesting. I know that you were, and before that, you were you were teaching like at, at schools after school, right? Where you had a line of people that were uh, lined up after class, paying you your $4 per class. And it seemed like a pretty good gig, right? It's so, I, it's amazing how many people, and you deal with them all the time, as, as do I, is how many people don't know what they don't know. Right. You know, you think have, and it's why it's so important that we kind of get out there and look around and, and, uh, and with an open mind, cause it's so easy. I'm amazed by how many people, I'm sure it's in other industries as well, will fiercely defend their mediocrity. It's like, you know, they're looking for someone else whose school isn't doing well so they can lament with them versus looking for someone that can mentor them and help them along the way. I know we're going to get into uh, some business advice and tips, but just because of what you just said, I, I just would like to throw this out there to people. It's not what you know that holds you back. It's what you don't know that holds you back. And when my mother said to me, why don't you go to this conference? Uh, my first thing was, what can they teach me? I have the number two demo team in the world. I train and, and my students are world champions on the, on, on the ISK NASCO circuit. I go, what are they going to teach me? So I was just talking from a place of everything that I know how to do. Right. But it's what I didn't know how to do that I didn't know. And there's a twist on that. And that is that something comes from Mark Twain. And he said, it's not what you know that gets you. It's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> I love that line. You know, sometimes we're convinced. And that's why, of course, it shows you in beginner's mind. So so you open up a school. Eventually, uh, you and Mr. Sylvan were originally competitors. Silverman were competitors for a long time. You ended up becoming friends and business partners. And now... You guys have like built, uh, uh, first off, a couple different things. You know, your championship schools into this ama amazing change. You you guys have how many licenses? Like 120 facilities or something? So yeah, cha so championship martial arts. We, we own we own nine of them in Orlando, Florida, and we have 133 licensed locations nationwide in Canada. Incredible, incredible. And on top of that, of course, you guys have built Maya, which has been around, I think, since about 2001, 2000, 2001, thereabouts. 20 years, 20 and years. just done so much good for so many people. So let's just kind of switch gears. I'm, I'm a martial arts business owner. My, my school is struggling. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, my wife's got a good job. She's an RN. So I, it doesn't have to do that well. I got a deal on the rent and, you know, I'm just having fun. But uh, I, I realize all of a sudden, man, I, I heard someone can be successful in this business. What kind of tips point me in the right direction? What are some things that I could do to really kind of get started, to really get to the next level? I, I, I believe, and our systems are based on three core uh, foundations to run a successful martial arts school. And I want to preframe with, it doesn't matter what style of martial arts you are. Business is business, and people need to understand that. It also won't affect your quality of instruction is whatever it is. But this is where you said people will justify and they will defend their mediocrity, right? Mm -hmm. 
So everything I say, I've heard, I know in my head, I'm hearing, you know, you, oh, you nickel and dime. Oh, you, you, uh, you, it's all about the money. It's a, this is the defense mechanisms that I've heard people say, and it's just not accurate. But there's three core things. Number one, I believe you have to know how to present your pricing. Okay. So pricing is extremely important, and it's not what you charge, it's how you charge it. And, and I don't mean contracts or anything else. It's how you present it. And, and that's number one. There, there's, a, there's a right way and a better way. Can I just make a comment before you get into detail on this very subject? You know, what, what I tell people when they ask or they say, how much you charge? And, 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 they, and I'm trying to get them to raise their rates, which is usually what I'm trying to, to get people to do, right? And they're really, like, really concerned about it. And, and my comment to them is, okay, if you, if you even charge, let's say you're charging 60 bucks a month, okay? Let's just see. And I'm trying to get you to 100, which is half price of what, at least half price of what it should be. And you don't believe you're worth a hundred bucks or you're not, guess what? You're going to have a hard time getting it because when you present it, you're going to, you're not going to be congruent with your message. You're going to go on and someone's going to pick up on it. But at the same time, first off, you have to build values and benefits. You, you know, you have, people have to see the benefit, but then if, if you believe in your heart that you are worth way more than you're charging, then, you know, people are going to go, okay. And, you know, the other thing is, is when I'm sure being in Orlando, you've been to Disneyland many times and I, and probably more than one time when you paid for admission to your family, you went, how much, man, that's a lot of money. And then what'd you do? You paid, paid it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. So number no. one, how you present it. Yeah. Presenting your, your pricing and how it's structured is, is hugely, hugely important. Point number two is class schedule class schedule and uh you know most people just throw classes on a schedule to accommodate beginners intermediate advanced adults and they don't have any rhyme or reason they just throw it down to have these classes available but but there's a, a way to do it to where your class schedule should help with quality of instruction retaining of students and revenue in in your in your school right and there's a way to do that with a class schedule and then the third let me just talk about class schedule for a second. One of the things that I'm always blown away by is how hard people make it for beginners to start as far as the timing goes. You know, they've got so much stuff on their agenda that, uh, you know, well, when do your new, new beginners start? Well, I've got a beginner class Thursdays at 830 and Saturdays, you know, or something. It's like we have to remember that people uh, will originally when they first start, they'll they'll adjust their martial art, their 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 martial arts around their lifestyle but once they become our student they'll adjust their lifestyle around their martial arts so for us it's always about making uh, eliminating the barrier to entry to making sure the schedule is super conducive to new members and you want it to be good for everyone but not every you can't have a class at six o'clock for everyone you know and then but a little bit more challenging for your advanced students because now it's part of their life and they'll adjust their schedule a little bit more so move on third point 100 percent. and then the third point is the controversial term but defined differently by everybody. And that's why it's so controversial and it's upgrades. And, and, and what I tell people is every business on earth, I believe, and I'd be willing to hear it, has some type of upgrade or upsell for a customer. The problem is, is, well, what is an upgrade? And everybody knows whatever it was taught to them as an upgrade. And there's the traditional upgrades. But my point on the upgrades is, if you come to my Taekwondo school and you want to sign up and you want to get a black belt in Taekwondo, you never have to upgrade in your life. You can get a black belt in Taekwondo and never upgrade. But it's like going to a restaurant because I'm going to a restaurant tonight. I'm going to a steakhouse tonight. Why am I going to Crest Steakhouse? Because I want a steak. But they're not going to give me a menu with just steak. They're going to give me a menu with salad options, wine options, dessert options. Those are all upgrades in theory and that by definition. I don't get offended that all it's all on there. I can make a decision on whether I want that because I'm really going there for steak. 
I'm going to your school for Taekwondo. Don't make me upgrade to get the stake when I'm already paying for the stake. That's the wrong thing. So my point is, is how to do that, mm -hmm. how to offer options for your customers of value, because that's a huge, huge point and part of generating revenue in a martial arts school. And the last point I'll make real quick, and then and I'd love to hear your thoughts. The last point I'll make is the majority of this industry bases their success by number of students. And the way they want to grow their school financially is, I need more students. Well, how many students do you need? Well, I need to get to 250 students. Well, why? Well, with 250 students, I'll be able to pay my guys better. I'll be paying myself. I'll be able to take them. So is it 250 students or is it a certain revenue number that you want? And, and we have to understand that. Now, you can have both, but but there's a way to make that exponentially better. So that's my, those are the three yeah, keys. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, can you work on focusing on your, increasing your student value, right? Which is really key because people throw out the numbers. Like I got 380 students and you and you find out they're grossing $35,000 a month. And you're going, okay, yeah. your, your student value is under a hundred bucks, bud. Let's figure this out because, uh, you know, th that's, well, well, the way I look at it, like with, with, of course, you and I have a different way we present the upgrade, right? Uh, but it, it, I totally 100% agree with you. It's like, like nothing wrong if you have, if we have an additional program we offer, like at some of our schools, we have a jujitsu program. People have to pay extra for that. So that would be our upgrade. Right? But I think the issue comes when people use a bait and switch model, kind of like where they go in there for your steak, expecting to buy steak, but they only find out the only way they get the steak is if they, you know, it's more than the more money or whatever. I, I remember years ago, I, I did a, a IQ test, right? And it was an online, it was a free online IQ test. And I'm, and it was free. So I, I didn't want to pay the four ninety five four dollars and 95 cents for it. So I get done, I fill this out and they get, you know, they, they feed you into this thing. Right. So you keep going and going and going. And next thing you know, you're given the email address. And finally it says, do you push the button for results? I push the button for results. It's great. If you want results, pay nine ninety five. Exactly. And it, by the way, it's probably good because I would have found out my IQ is about 75. So I didn't pay the results out of principle. But but the, the, the point is, is that that turned me off to that company. I would never do business with those guys again. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like uh, I want I want someone that's transparent and honest. I don't care about if I charge, you know, top dollar for something, as long as it's worth it, as long as you're up front with me. A hundred percent. And that's my point of if you teach Taekwondo and somebody wants to sign up for Taekwondo and you want to charge a hundred dollars a month, let me pay $100 a month for the next five years till I get my black belt in Taekwondo. If you want to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that's an upgrade. And, and it has nothing to do with Taekwondo, but there is a value to that. Not everybody wants it. But if you want that, you could go to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school down the street, pay $100 a month, or you could pay $25 more a month here. And we have Jiu-Jitsu classes as well. That's, that's, that's the exact yeah. philosophy of, of an example of an upgrade program. Perfect. Now, so what do you see? Do you see uh, uh, as far as uh, anybody work ethic? Like, is there a commonalities amongst you? You you coach a bunch of schools, and uh, people have to be a certain level of success even to let be a part of your organization, just to be. But you see different levels of success, and it's not always based on charisma, intelligence, etc. And of course, when I'm saying hard work, I'm not talking about you got to put in 16 hours a day, although there might be times in your career where that might be necessary, right? But what do you see as far as a commonality amongst successful school owners? What's kind of a mindset or a thing that they do that people that are less successful don't do? That's the answer. You just said it. It's It's mindset. I mean, the successful school owners have a certain mindset. They are just, they are ready and so focused 
that they want to grow their business now. I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't, and some people just have it where they just want to do better. They want to be better. They want to take care of their families better, their people better. It's a mindset, number one. Number two, there is a work ethic component to this. And I'll tell our industry this. Um, the one thing I tell everybody, I know, I know, because I've been doing it 20 years. So I have the credibility in my own mind. And how many hundreds and hundreds like yourself, how, how many lives I've changed. I know I can change anybody's life listening to this podcast. I know I can. But the one thing I can't do is do it for you. And we, as, as people, but in this industry, if you notice the companies in our industry that are extremely successful, thousands of members, what are they? They're, They're CRM, right. automation. They're doing They're automation people. Mm -hmm. Because... It just, I could just pay and it's going to do it for me. It's going to feed me leads or it's going to take care of my tracking on my stats. So I'm going to just tell everybody, if, if you were in the Maya family, it's not automation, it's, it's work. And I tell everybody it, it's slightly overwhelming in the first 90 days because it's, it's changing or understanding certain systems. We work from inside out, right? Everybody comes to us, they want more students. That's the last thing we focus on the first 90 days. We got to fix the internal system. So it's a mind shift and a mindset. Now, the people that come in and they're like, look, I'm bankrupt. I had a client that had went to a super show because he had a free voucher. He was bankrupt. School was closing down, took his wife there. They stopped at the store. They bought bologna, cheese and Wonder Bread because they could not afford to eat in Vegas. They ate in their hotel room. They cried. They said, we need to go to the super show and see this is our last effort. They had bologna sandwiches. It's an MMA school. Now this year, this is six years ago, not long, six years ago. Well, last year he, he did over $1 million. This year they're gonna do over $1.2 million. They vacation, they pay a good staff, great money. They're still involved, change their life. They have a resident, they have an Airbnb in Orlando, Florida. They're in, they're in Illinois. They have a, a, a real estate investment property in Airbnb, change their entire life. But he was at the bottom where his mindset was, I have, I got to do something or I'm not going to be able to feed my family. That's, that's the mindset. Yeah. You know, and, and it's kind of like, I remember hearing a quote, you've all, you've heard, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But there's another part of that. And this is what I really try to focus on, but you can salt the oats. And what that, that means to me is that I, when you get that person, you, you got to kind of find, you know, you know, put a little salt in the wound, so to speak, find out what they're, you know, what they want to uh, achieve and and uh, to help sometimes because people we get in our own way we uh, we we need sometimes uh, a fresh look at what the potential is so to speak and but you know it's it's amazing also what I tell people when they're in this situation is understand man you know regardless of what you might hear out there it's going to be hard work and long hours for several years. You know, you're just going to have to put in the time. And eventually, you know, if you do your job right and you train to stay, then you can back off. But initially, there's no easy, I don't see an easy way to walk in and and not roll up your sleeves. And what does Zig Ziglar says? He says, you only have to work half days. You pick if it's the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. I think initially there's a certain amount of truth to that. I know I'm sure you did that as I did it as well. And, and uh, of course, working smart is important, but sometimes you got to roll up your friggin' sleeves and get to work, man. Well, you not sometimes, you know, all the time when you're starting and you want to grow and get to the next level. There was another company out there in our industry, a consulting group. I don't even know who it was, but their advertisements, part of their marketing was you don't have to work hard. You don't have. And I was like, I'm signing up. I'm signing up for this group <laughs> because 
It's just not possible. It's not possible, everybody. It's just not. You you got to put the work in. However, sacrifice today for the rewards of tomorrow. I worked harder ten years ago than I work today yep. on a physical side or a tied down to time constraint side. I work differently today, but I have a great great life now. You know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, I think it's important. You got to kind of put in the time, right? And and I, I know my my son is uh, working for us full time now, and he's a young guy and uh, trying to get the ropes figured out. And I'm telling him, man, you you, you got to. I try first off. I try not. To, I try to be his dad, not his boss. I like other people do that. But uh, you know, just it, when we're talking, when he comes over on Sundays, or I train with him, uh, you know, go out to lunch every week, and uh, uh, it's really cool when your son is a good training partner in jujitsu. It's great fun, by the way, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of like the, the message that I'm trying to get across is at this point in your career, cause he did some other stuff before he came back to work. You, you just got to put in the time, man. You know, it's like, you got to be, this is what your main focus is going to be. And, uh, it, 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 that's, if you want to kind of get the results that you like. So switching gears a bit, um, you are, uh, have, uh, are highly respected and highly appreciated in the martial arts business from you know, myself included. You know, I, I appreciate your friendship you. and I appreciate your openness and your honesty and your willing to share. And what are some key personal things, you know, what's allowed you to be, uh, to acquire the level of success that you had? Because the bottom line is, is that you, you're lucky with the martial arts industry that you're in the martial arts industry. But if you were, and you've got, got other stuff going on, you got real estate going on and consulting going on and everything else. But if you were planted in a completely, if you all of a sudden ended up with it, with a chain of, uh, uh, of, of, of like, uh, what's the uh, key stores or who knows anything, you'd probably be pretty successful because that's your work ethic. So what, what personal things do you look at for two things? Number one, just general success. Maybe it's something we've already touched on, but also relationships. What have you done to cultivate all these amazing relationships? That's, that's, that's a key question there. So to answer your first part of your question, um, you know, I don't know why, uh, you know, so my, my first five years, six years, I lived in low income housing. I was basically on welfare, living with my mom. My mom was divorced when I was an infant and uh, we lived in low income housing. And um, I had a family friend who was a multi, multi millionaire, but I was good friends with his son, who was my age. And I saw how well respected his dad was and. I always heard people talk about how great he was in the community and this. And from a young age, at, at a young age, I said, man, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. And I just programmed myself. I want to be rich. And I remember fast forward now. Here I am, 18 years old. I started dating my wife now at 17. And at like 20, uh, I, I went to two years of college, stopped going to college to focus on my martial arts school, but I was there every day, every class. And I remember my mother-in-law, but I was just dating her daughter. Three years I've been dating her daughter. I walk in one night at 9.30. She'd always have food for me to eat after classes. She goes, Mike, I got to ask you, because I was living at home still with my parents. She goes, you know, you and Diana might get married someday. What are you going to do when you get older? I said, Brenda, I don't know, but I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be an executive somehow, some way. I'm going to be rich. I don't know how, but I will be, and I will take care of your daughter. My point is, is I was just so focused. And when you get so focused, and by the way, that's a cocky answer as a kid, as a 19, 20-year-old, right? What I really wanted is I know the struggles financially. I've seen my parents struggle. Uh, I've seen the arguments. I've seen the stress. I, I just didn't want to ever have that financial stress. Life's tough enough. So I just 
I had to figure out a way, but I was so focused. And when you become that focused, you start looking, you, you start seeing opportunities to help you take a step towards that. And, and, and if you don't have that conscious focus of where you want to be, you may not even recognize opportunities. And then your second part was relationships, which piggybacks. Frank Silverman and I were not just competitors. We were, we were enemies. I mean, we, we did not like each other at all. He got a big billboard above my school marketing his school. I had <laughs> and I took a full page article out in the newspaper in Orlando on what not to look for in a martial arts school. And I got the brochure and just made bullet points. The, the marketing person said, that's your ad? I said, that's my ad, yes. And it was everything that he offered, right? I mean, it was, it was brutal. However, he, he uh, I, I don't know if you know this story. I'll just tell it real quick. But he was asked by David Wall if he wanted to come up to Oklahoma City and help start this Maya thing. VHS tapes, business tips, instructor tips, ad slicks. I was the you know, instructor for the first three years. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> but so do you remember how they launched this? They went around to the billing companies and they asked the billing companies, look, for $1, can we offer this to all of your clients for $1? Because we think it's going to help them grow, which will help you as a billing company grow if we can make them more successful. Well, Silverman went to EFC in Maryland and he met with Mr. C. And this is the loyalty I have to Mr. C. Mr. C said, you're in Orlando. I understand you're in Mike Metzger's neck of the woods. We won't do business with you unless Mike Metzger says it's okay. And Silverman said in his mind, oh, <laughs> so I get a call from Silverman, the enemy. And he's like, hey, Mike, uh, can I come down and talk to you? I'm like, what, what do you want? You know, he's like, I just want to come by and chat. I said, sure, you can come by. Now, what if I said no? Yep. Open-minded. He came in. I pulled out two chairs. I said, what do you want? And he started talking. I said, before you say a word first, I want to tell you, you're an a-hole. I said, I just want to let you know that's how I feel. Now, what do you, what, what do you want? We sat there for two hours. Invited me to go out to Oklahoma to, to help them with Maya back when this was starting up. And I said, hey, that's an opportunity, but I'm going to be clear because I don't play facade. I don't trust you. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. But yes, I will go there. And for a year, I kept saying, I don't trust you. My point is, is there's another school owner that's locally who got a call. And they said, I have nothing to say to you. I don't want to meet with you. This person still drives a van, picking up kids, struggling. 25 years later, or whatever it is, still struggling. Relationships are key. We all love the sayings, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, but we don't practice yep. that. And, and by the way, the other reason why the industry is stifled, because there's another saying, good is the enemy of great. And when you're doing very good, you don't think you need help. You're, you're so comfortable, you're doing good, that will prevent you from becoming great. But relationships are 100% key. Yep. You know, uh, I, I, I always, to my, my phrase is, it's better to have friends than enemies. And how many times in my life have I, uh, I, I, a lot less now, have I said something or did something that maybe later on came back to bite me because I, I was in the moment versus like just trying to be cognizant of, of, uh, uh, the importance of treating even people that you may not like as much is with, with respect and it will always come back and serve you in the long haul. You know, I uh, just, there's so many examples, but let me give you one. Uh, a, a while back, I'm a pretty 
Uh, I have the same, we both have the, the Tesla Model S and, you know, they move pretty fast and they're fun to drive. And I'm an aggressive driver. I'm not a guy that honks at people. I don't cut people off, but I kind of like to drive fast. Right. And, and, uh, and so I often will by default pull out in front of somebody and I'm trying to be better about that. Right. So letting people come And So not too long ago, uh, you know, there's, I have this option. I can zip out in front of this traffic or I can let this lady go by. And I, I'm trying to do the right thing. I let the lady go by and she, she drives around the corner. She waves at me. It's one of the parents of one of my junior black belts. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the little thing where it could have just as easily <laughs> gone another way. And so I, I think it's kind of like, uh, uh, the mindset in general, uh, if you, if you get in the habit of just kind of trying to treat people right, everyone down to your potential uh, clients, but also just the people at the grocery store in front of you, it kind of changes your perspective and makes you less about you and more about how I can serve. And all of a sudden, uh, you, I, I find my patience being increased dramatically. Hundred percent, and I'll and I'll say this: we worry in our industry a lot of times about our competitors in the area. Frank Silverman was a competitor. Frank Silverman is a brother now. We're family, uh, business partners, best friends. I mean, family. We're family. Our wives. We travel together. My point is, cultivate those relationships. This industry is going to be so much better if we work yes. together, as opposed to not only do we not usually work with our competitors. What does our industry do? The integrity martial artists, we bash yes. the competitors. Yes. It's just, this is where the mindset holds people back on being successful. And I'll tell you what, so, you know, it's so important people understand, like, I don't want anybody to open up across the street from our head of quarter school, but guess what? If they do, what's going to happen? I'm just going to get better. I'm going to up my game up. But secondly, is that what, what's important to understand, if, if, if I have a location that has 300 members in it, if we'd never opened up ever, ever, you know, we never uh, uh, opened up there, how many of those 300 members would be training at the other guy or would be training at all? Maybe 30. We create our market. And if right. there are more schools in our area, we want them to be good because if they're not good, that affects us because someone doesn't go, hey, uh, I'm in Sacramento. Don't ever do a karate at Kovars. Don't ever do martial arts at Kovars. What they say is, oh, man, I tried martial arts. It's not any good at all. And all of a sudden now you in Orlando because uh, one of my potential students that I didn't do a good job with has a cousin that lives by one of your schools. And, and so, it, so it's kind of like the rising tide lifts all boats. Right. And so hopefully the people in your community, if you can make them better, we all grow. And that's what we are trying to do as Maya. We're yeah. trying to just professionalize and raise our, our, our professionalism and not that we're not all professional, but just raise the level of thinking on a business level in the martial arts. We are great martial artists. I'm going to assume, but, but at the end of the day, we, we got to work together. We're, you know, we, we'll do better. Yes, we will 100%. do better. So that, that's a big takeaway for, for your audience and uh, keeping an open mind. And going back to the first part of the question is you, you either have a, a vision of unbelievable pleasure that you're trying to get to, whether I want to be able to vacation, put my kid through college and not worry about loans, just that vision, or you got to be in place of complete struggle and pain. One of those two things will get you to that next level. But when you are comfortable, you'll die comfortable. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but there's more to what don't don't not be uncomfortable because you don't think you can do it. Do it because you're just happy doing what you're doing. Right. But yep. no, I, in order to be a champion, you have to fight like a challenger. And once you kind of get complacent, things all of a sudden aren't what they are. Right. Well, hey, man, I, I want to be respectful of your time and everybody that's listening. I appreciate your friendship. Appreciate you being on the podcast for the second time. I promise this one will get aired. I'll let you know when. And and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, my friend. A pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care, man.
Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in today to our podcast. I hope you found it valuable and inspirational. To stay connected, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a five-star review. And we really uh, sincerely would appreciate some feedback. Your feedback helps us to create high-quality content that will help others in the future. If you'd like to follow me, you can go to Dave Kovar on Facebook or Hanchi Dave Kovar on Instagram. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you on next episode.